Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Oh, squeaky chair. <laughs> it's actually my knees. <laughs> squeaky chair. God. In my case, it's my back. Oh, my God. Hello and welcome back to the study of podcast Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, man. How are you? Very well indeed. Happy Valentine's Day, Misa. Happy Valentine's Day, Ryan. <laughs> it's marriage of convenience. The, the best <laughs> cards are red. Buy and feel blue. I couldn't think of anything better than doing a podcast with you on Valentine's oh, Day, Ryan. Kwonga. There you go. Oh, my, my emotions. Flat, you'll get you everywhere. We'll certainly get you two podcasts a week. Do you know what's great? We're doing a Valentine's Day podcast the Monday after a weekend, which contains my one true love. Chaos, football and chaos. Inject it. Put that in the vaccine. <laughs> really? That's, that's your one love? Football and chaos. That was it. Many, many cards. So many cards. So many cards. It was, um, yeah, what a weekend of football I was. Um, You're in London for a bit, right? Yeah, I was working on quite an exciting job. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Uh, so <laughs> but it was those. really great. I know what it is, by the way, everyone. So You do know what it is. Uh, and it was really good fun. Just, um, uh, it's an article I'm working on. I can say that much because if I say it's something, if I, if I pick it up too much, I'm going to be oh my God, wow, what is it? No, it's an article I'm working on, which is really good fun. Um, yeah. And then you came back. I did indeed. Did I you watch the Super that. Bowl? I did. I was up extremely late. Um, finished. Uh, got to bed at what? Just um, just before five a.m. Wow! But it was well, well worth it. Well worth it. Um, Los Angeles Rams beating the Cincinnati Bengals twenty three twenty, and it just uh, just in terms of how the contest had the ebb and flow, and like you saw a shift in the balance of power throughout the halftime show. Um, obviously, lots of um, old and familiar names. I must be honest, it felt a little bit like karaoke until Mary J. Blige got up there. Dude, I, I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't bother staying up watching it live. I watched like the first half of the first quarter and then thought, no, 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 I'm good actually. And uh, I watched it this morning. I watched the highlights back, which is great because then you don't have to see the halftime show. To be honest with you, what, 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 what was well worth it yesterday, um, a dear friend, um, Adam, made a bowl, made some chili, made some chili. And uh, Alex made some wings and we basically had chili wings and a bit of cake as well. Uh, it was delightful. Nice. So, yeah. Super Bowl vibes. Best thing about the Rams winning the Super Bowl is it means that the Arsenal 2024 Champions League is nailed on. Yes, it is. It's nailed on now. Cronky's got a taste, man. It's so funny to see owners, um, American owners and how they're regarded in the US versus how they're regarded yeah, entry wild, clubs in the UK. Yeah. You look at the Glazers, uh, Previous year, winning the Super Bowl and just you know, it's so bad, isn't it? The Glazers and Cronky back to backs like Super Bowl winners, and actually they're just absolutely hated in their uh, English clubs. But anyway, this isn't an NFL podcast. The Ringer is overflowing with NFL stuff this week. So go and, and go if you and do want to read anything stuff. on the NFL on on the uh, Super Bowl, read Kevin Clark's essay about the Rams winning. It's brilliant. 
that's the thing I'd recommend you read. Plenty of stuff yeah. on there. It's great. Ringer, There's yeah. loads. Yeah. So let's get on to today. Let's do some admin. Let's do it. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Get vaccinated if you can, obviously. Get that booster if you can. Uh, Righty's house this week will be Flo and I joining Ian. Uh, we're going to save most of the Premier League stuff for that because we're going to talk a little bit about the Premier League race for the top four because it kind of feels a little bit like last season's La Liga title race, actually. It's just no one, no one actually wants to finish in the Champions League. Right. We'll talk about some other stuff as well. TheRinger.com forward slash soccer for all of your soccer needs on the, on the ringer. Stadio.football if you want to scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in, sign up for the newsletter. The February edition went out last on the weekend and it'll be a few weeks till the next one. But uh, yeah, if you want to check that. And also, Stadio Art just plays on Spotify. All the music we play out on each episode, newest one is at the top. So today, we are going to talk about some Serie A stuff. The big game of Serie A this weekend, top of the table clash. We're also going to talk about a top of the table clash in the WSL. And we're also going to talk about some wild results in the Bundesliga, which had yes. a lot of fans back, which was lovely. Yeah. And La Liga. And some other bits and bobs as well. Should we, should we get into it? Straight into it. Let's do it. We actually catfished everyone because I'm making an editorial decision and we're going to talk <laughs> about the last 15 minutes of Porto against Sporting on Friday night, which was quite possibly my favourite. I wouldn't even say 20 minutes of football in the past year. I'd say maybe 20 minutes related <laughs> to everything. We want to talk about this first because there was a bit of a theme that going through this week. We saw it in Atletico Tafe, which we'll talk about. But this was such an important game and the result was really important because it meant that, well, Porto stayed top for a start, but also it meant that they've now gone 50 games unbeaten in the league. So this, while the last 15 minutes were extremely entertaining, there were real stakes at play here. This wasn't just, uh, you know, this is first against second. If, if Sporting had won, they would have closed the gap to just three points on Porto. Um, obviously, Sporting going for... Uh, they're going. They're trying to retain the title. I mean, they took the lead. They just went two 0 up. Uh, Porto dragged it back to two all, and then it was kind of after Taremi's equaliser that it all just kind of went a bit south. Before that, like Sebastian Quartes had been sent off in like really early in the second half for a second yellow that was definitely a yellow, but his first one kind of wasn't, and it was such a silly. Like he actually got stood on in the first one and got booked for it, which was really really harsh. But um, yeah, uh, the last. I mean, if you look at the ticker, it's like 90 plus 10. Red card for Tabata, red, red card for uh, Jao Palina, red card for Augustine, Marjustin, red card for Pepe. You're kind of thinking, when's Pepe going to pop up here? Because I was texting you about it, wasn't <laughs> yeah, I, on yeah, Friday? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, Pepe's actually surprisingly playing a bit of a backseat here. How wrong I was. Because but he he's not been the aggressor in recent. No, events, no, no. He's, he? he's, he's yeah. this is a wise this is a wiser this is a yeah. wiser Pepe now. You know the thing. He's been there, man. He's, he's been there. He's like <laughs> he's like Cutty in the Wire. He's, he's like, like a barman. He's like a barman in like a western. Yeah, you know, Pepe's like chatting to everyone who's really hype and they want to go, and he's just like game ain't in me no more, man. The game ain't in me. <laughs> but it sure as hell came back to him in that final few minutes because he was in the box for a header and got booted in the head, and I was actually. I was fully expecting this to be, go to VAR and for Porto to get a penalty. Mm. And I think it would have been fair. He got a good old whack in the head. It's like an overhead, head, overhead clearance from the defender. And he's laying down in, in the goal mouth on the goal line. Porto can actually carry on playing. And then it all just kicks off. It cuts to a replay. And by the time the replay's done, both benches have cleared. Both managers are in the 18-yard box. Everyone is in there. There was some stewards got involved. And it was just chaos. And, and there were red cards going left, right, and center. <laughs> so I imagine that um, there will be a bit of a fallout from this. But the main thing for Porto was obviously to maintain that unbeaten run and also just to keep sporting arm's length. Keep them at bay, yeah. Yeah, keep, keep them at bay. But yeah, thoroughly entertaining game. And that kind of set the tone for the weekend then, I suppose. It really because, did set the tone yeah, for yeah. the weekend because just before that, there had been a, uh, a very, very tense top of the table clash in WSL but we'll talk about that a little bit later doesn't it feel sometimes when you have a game like that the Porto Sporting a headline fixture it almost feels like you know like it feels like contagious right in terms of like it just mm. like the mood of football but there's been a few times we've talked about football across Europe and like in three or four different leagues we've had and I don't I don't think it's a stage of the season it's just like something's in the air and I can't quite work it out I can't work it out um, it's uh, what's it called it's like standing at a German crossing when there are no cars coming but the pedestrian crossing's on red 
That's so what just wait. Like. Everyone's just at a holding position. Everyone's waiting. Right. But if there are no cars coming and there are no cars in sight, as soon as one person crosses, everyone goes. That's a great shout. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's what it felt like this weekend. Porto and Sporting were like, let's dance. And everyone else was just like, all right. Let's go, let's go at it. Yeah, because yeah. if someone said to you, Atleti Getafe, with the scoreline we ended up seeing, if someone, said, uh, if someone said to you four years ago, oh, Atleti Getafe, that would be the scoreline, you'd have been like, you'd have laughed. You'd have said, bet on that, you'll lose a lot of money. And you would have been sure. You'd have been certain. Well, I know we said we were going to do Napoli Inter, but should we just move into La Liga while we're here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atleti's last few results. Let me just read them to you. 4-3, 4-2, 3-2. So Atleti have conceded nine goals in their last three games and they've scored nine. Are Atleti actually Kike Setien's betis? Or are they? Someone said this the other day. Was it, I think Lee Roden said, Atleti Barcelona has returned to the 1990s. Yeah. And maybe they're going, you know, Atleti going back in time. Like, and this is the challenge for them is, a team without identity now. You look at, so Atleti Getafe, they win 4-3 very, very late on. Hermoso gets his, he's had a chaotic week. So Hermoso scored two winners for Atleti in about a week. And in between that has been absolutely put on toast by Adama Traore um, in the Barca Atleti, which obviously Barca won 4-2. He's had a wild, wild week. And that, that shouldn't be happening. Hermoso is having far too interesting a season. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking Hermoso had the, uh, it was like the work, he had the work, a work appraisal of a week. He had the compliment criticism, compliment sandwich. Yes, the same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the defensive indiscipline. I know, but his, his winners, 90 plus three minutes, 88 minutes, or 89th minute. Wild. I mean, wild. He's, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a storyteller's throw. I'll give him that. One thing as well that's interesting about this game, um, so other little quirks, Suarez missed his first penalty in years. I think it's 2015, 16, in La Liga, like, like unbelievable. There was a point, so he, Suarez has the penalty saved and there's this bit where he rubs his eyes as if, firstly, he can't believe what he's seen, but it's as if he's like seen the future and he's seen how wild it's going to get. It's as if he already knows. He lies there. If you watch it, he lies there and he's rubbing his eyes and it's like, Suarez knows something none of us do. He knows what's coming. He said, the next 83 minutes are going to be an absolute, absolute horror show. Um, but they weren't horror. The penalty, horror the penalty was, was a weird one though because he really went looking for it. Mm. But it was a penalty. But be careful what you seek, Ryan. He mm. sought it. He sought it. Exactly. He craved it and it was his undoing. And then there were two other penalties in that game, uh, both conceded by Atleti, I think Cunha and Lamar. Yeah, two handballs. There were both quite a few well. of those this weekend, actually. There were actually yeah. quite was a one few. one in the Club World Cup. Yeah, and there was one, one by, I think, Apamecano. Um, We'll get to yeah. that in the Bundesliga. There were a few where the hands were like lurking out. I'm like, why are they out there? Like, there was, there was a very naughty one in the, uh, it was going to be at the double XL. I mean... Oh my Let's, God, yeah. Oh my given. goodness. Oh, Let's, goodness. <laughs> there were a few handballs. I looked at them, I thought, wow, like, really? <laughs> that was a big one. Um, I also thought that was given too much focus because frankly, Chelsea should have put that game out of sight. I think that's a very convenient conversation. I don't know why you're whispering because this is staying in. Oh no, <laughs> no. I think, I think it's a convenient conversation about that that penalty that wasn't given, but we'll get to that Let's in a moment. It. So, Let's save it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Save it. So, um, Atleti Getafe, uh, back on track, 4-3 to Atleti and they really needed just, this, man. They really, really did. Maybe it's a cathartic victory. You see the way that Simeone went down the tunnel at the end. I mean, he always so high. it anyway. So, yeah, no, but. no, 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 but it was just different. He was punching the air, right? Like he almost mm. smacked the roof. He was like, so, so hyped for it. Um, because the pressure, we talk about the suffering being necessary for Atleti and we joked about it and then they, they contrived to have a game with even more suffering. I think it was Mark Wallace. Mark Wallace tagged me, um, on, he tagged us on Twitter and said, ah, oh, this game has to begin the podcast. And I remember thinking, no, Mark, that's not even the most chaotic game in La Liga. It's not even close. <laughs> uh, yeah, to be Espanol Barca. Yeah, yeah, Espanol Barca. Yeah, I mean, just quickly on that because uh, Atleti, have been wobbly this season, as we've talked about a number of times. Mm. In the good old days, this game would have been nil-nil mm. and had four red cards, maybe a one-nil win. But it was quite fun to see an Atleti-Getafe game play out in this kind of manner because it was just, 
it was so wild. The fact that there were five, what, yeah, five first half goals. In fact, listen, I, I made a joke about this, but listen to the last few results. So it's been creeping in the, on the head to head. Atleti beat Getafe 2-1 in September. Yes. High scoring game, they thought. Before that, 0-0, 1-0, 2-0 Atleti, 1-0 Atleti, 2-0 Atleti, 2-0 Atleti, 1-0 Atleti, 2-0 Atleti, 0-0. 1-0 Atleti, 2-0 Atleti, 2-0 Atleti. It goes all the way. This is the highest scoring game between these two since Atleti stuck seven past Getafe in 2013. It really is becoming expected I, I chaos fixture. Check, I didn't even check the fixtures. That was just memory. Of being like, these always used to be really tight and very kind of like naughty. The other week, on to your point about, because you've written about chaos before, obviously with the ringer. And I, I mentioned last week, I said, you know, Aston Villa Leeds is a chaos fixture. We have to do a map of like Europe um, in specifics and, and be like, okay, these are chaos fixtures. When we look at the calendar, we should almost look in advance and be like, expected chaos here is off the scale. And Atleti Catafi is now part of that. Should make like a, we should make a route that you can do, you know, like interrailing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> chaotic football weekend. Chaos, actually, chaotic, fo- chaotic football gap year. That is so much fun. That is, that's... <laughs> what season is it? It's chaos season. It's just the meme of the guy poking out behind the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poking up behind a tree, rubbing his hands. It's chaos season. Chaos oh season goodness. ticket. We should do it, man. It should, that should be an absolute... I might put it on a tea towel, do it some Stadio merch. If any of you see chaos fixtures um, that we should be looking out for, let us know. Um, or chaos fixtures you've noticed. So yeah, um, great win for Atleti. Elsewhere in La Liga, very quickly, just want to talk about um, a couple of bits at the top of the league table. So... Real, Villarreal playing out a nil-nil draw. Fairly entertaining. The big story there is Benzema's absence being pivotal in this title race because mm. the absence of Benzema, Real looked a blunt, they looked like a, a sort of blunt attacking force. And Sevilla took advantage of that. Elche, they beat Elche 2-0 with an assist from Martial for Rafa Mir. Papu Gomez gave them the goal to the lead there. So 2-0 win for them. So now they're within four points of Real. Real should still have enough. I know it's a few games out. Yeah, the league is still open. Real should have enough, but it's just intriguing that Sevilla are pushing back. Really great to see that because they had it. They faltered um, a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, we said real, before with this, with this yeah. Real Madrid squad though, it's like they have probably the best 11. Like we think Atleti have the best squad in La Liga. Real yes. have the best 11 when everyone's fully fit. But as soon as yes. they get a few injuries, the drop-off is it's steep. To be honest, you could say that for... Sounds strange to say this about Bayern. But Bayern, if you take away a couple of pillars from the Bayern team, they look very ordinary very quickly. It's really interesting with that. Like, and that sounds like a weird thing to say, given that they're like, you know, quite a few points clear at the top of the Bundesliga. But, you know, Sven Sven Ulrich came in for Manuel Neuer at the weekend and lots of things changed. But Um, still still in the if, if If Sevilla kind of make a little bit of a push while Benzema's out and Real Madrid kind of stumble a little bit more, uh, when they go to Sevilla in April, Real Madrid. Right. That could become, in like it could that could be a legit like potential title decider because Barcelona plays Sevilla I think a couple of weeks before that, you know, and those those few games are going to be absolutely pivotal and you've got a Clasico in the middle of that as well. Isn't it incredible so that with a, a team like with so much weeks. resources, Benzema is still so pivotal, isn't it? It's fascinating how mm. important he is to that that front line. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we should talk about the Catalan derby. Absolutely, yeah. Goodness. Between Espanol and Barcelona. Espanol looked like they were on course to record their first league victory over Barca since 2009. And good old Luke de Jong came up with the goods in the last minute. He scored some very important goals, Luke de Jong. Um, he's a handy guy arrived. off the bench, you know. Like he's he was very handy off the bench for Sevilla. He had a he was I I I mean I'm not you know it's so strange. He he was stop start there. He scored really important goals for them while also having patches without goals. And it's a funny one with him because he's a classic example of a footballer who, in the right system, is brilliant. Mm. And has had to, you know, to his credit, he's had to adjust. He's taken a lot of criticism, but he has stood tall. I mean, you see sort of quite a few um, big accounts on Barca Twitter, giving him like his respect, you know, having, you know, having dragged him in the past. And perhaps in some cases, the criticism is not entirely unfair, but really, really coming up. And the thing about him that I like is he's awkward. Mm. You know how you've got strikers sometimes, they offer very similar skill sets. Like in Manchester United at one point, we had like, we had one point, I mean, back as a few years ago, we had wingers that all did the same thing, right? Mm. Like all kind of just different versions of the same winger. Luke De Jong, I think the biggest compliment is there's not really 
another player like him in that setup. And my God, they needed him because Espanyol did everything else just right. The disrespect their goals on were, show from Espanyol. Their goals were gorgeous, both of them. I've got to say, the, the, yeah. very quickly, the way, the way that Barca came out of the traps, they started very, very impressively again. Maybe mm. that's a feature of life under Xavi. Um, Jordi Alba combining with Pedri beautifully and nice Diane Christine, yeah, crashing the box at far post. Um, but for me, the standout in this game for Barcelona was Gavi. Gavi was unbelievable. He had a goal just allowed for offside. And the way he received, yeah, absolutely. And the way he receives, it was, it's unfortunate that the, um, this half offside uh, early in the second half, the ball actually hit Frankie de Jong in an offside position mm. before he finished it. But just in terms of like his balance, his resourcefulness, he's like a kind of, you know, like Samir Nasri would never lose the ball when he gave it to him out on the flank. He's like Samir Nasri, only like physically surprisingly powerful. Like Gavi is tough. He's like an ice hockey player. Like you try to go it's through a very him. very small one. Like an almost like sort of like, with the, like you know, like Modric, he, people used to try and go through Modric. They'd be like, oh my goodness, how have I come up? I've broken my foot. They're like, <laughs> it's like that. It's like <laughs> kicking Gavi must be like kicking a street lamp. Like he's a tough dude. Um, he was extremely impressive. Adama was also really quite good as well. Um, he's been impressive. I think it's fair to say that that is a move that's working. Ferran Torres could be slightly more aggressive, I think, central areas. But, you know, tools are not a bad result for either team. I think it allows Barca not to get carried away. But also it's like, it was a bloody nose from Espanyol. It was a real, it's a proper derby. If you get a chance to rewatch this, if you've got a spare, like, you know, even 45 minutes just to catch a half of this, it was gorgeous football. See, I think this is quite a poor result for Barca, actually. I think that, um, I mean, Espanyol occasionally take points off Barca at home. They did it, what, mm. it was like the two all a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, two all a couple of years before that, uh, one all a couple of years before that. But, you know, I've been generous. Thing, the, Sorry. the thing about, no, the thing about Barca, I just think is that like, they need to generate some momentum and they just can't seem to really generate any momentum. Now I know they've got the Europa League coming up. And it's a big tie that against Napoli. But, you know, Atleti are now level on points with them after they opened up a little gap. Like this is why, I, this is why last week after mm. the Atleti game, I was kind of like, yeah, this is good, but I don't think this is the beginning of some brave new kind of like Barca dawn because we don't know what that's going to look like, right? And I really think that it can, it will be quite week to week for Barca. I think that, I, I, for example, a couple of times in the rest of the season, they're going to have performances that are unbelievable. Mm. But then they have the, like, for, you know, even things like PKs and discipline in this game, like that was really pointless. That was to really... Me, Go on. Can I be brutal? I think PK did a lot of mopping up. I think actually the big thing was the Araujo injury. That to one yeah. is because Eric Garcia coming in, this is why I think it was ultimately a good result because when he came in, it changed all the balance. Like he had no positional... I mean, his, his error for the goal was so bizarre. It was like he, he, <sighs> he dropped insane. off deep and then all of a sudden he just decided to let it go over his head. And I can't really figure out why. I like see, someone didn't on, see Tamu, I just didn't see Tamudo. He didn't see him. He didn't take the run. He must have though, because he dropped so deep. Like there's no way that if you're dropping off from the rest of your back line, that you don't know someone else is there. Because I don't know. When, 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 he, when he turned, he looked surprised. That's the only thing. When he turns, right, he looks surprised. That's the only thing. I don't know if he knew it was there. Mm. I think you're absolutely right to say that this was a bad result in the sense of, in terms of what they're pushing for. But in the context of the evening, I think having lost Araujo and the drop-off. Oh yeah. I mean, when you get, an, when you get a 96th minute equaliser in a derby, it's, you're never going to be like, okay, that is a bad result because a couple of minutes before that. Or and also seeing how that before changed that, their defensive even worse. line. Yeah. 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 The performance was okay. This is kind of the, the performance that you, you would kind of expect from a Barca side. Plenty of the ball created a couple more chances, but they only had the same amount of shots on target. We said this before, but look, Longley and Eric Garcia aren't, they're not cutting it in that back mm. line. They're just not. Um, and that's, this is why I completely agree with you in terms of where they're going. I think the drop-off in defence, they've got the attacking options. Midfield, actually, we're seeing some exciting opportunities. I think that, you know, I think the future could well be a, a De Jong, Gavi, Pedri midfield. I think that has got enough about it, actually. I didn't think it did before, but seeing Gavi's physicality in recent games and his elusiveness, I think that's got chops to do something exciting. Yeah, man. Three red cards in stoppage time. We didn't even mention Felipe's red card in the Atleti Getafe game, like from Porto Sporting. Set the tone for the weekend and everyone was, uh, was joining them on the dance floor. Cards aloft, yeah. Cards aloft, yeah. yeah. Good win for Betis against Levante. Yeah. 
Alaves beating Valencia 2-1 was a big bit of an eye-opener because Alaves, they've jumped Cadiz in the bottom of the table and they're showing signs of potentially clawing their way out. They're, well, they're three points behind Real Mallorca now, but Mallorca have two games in hand, so we'll see. Let's take a break and then yeah. we'll head to Italy. Let's do it. All right, man. So yeah, top of the table clash this week. Napoli versus Inter. Napoli won, Inter won. And Insigne, Lorenzo Insigne penalty after seven minutes and an Edin Dzeko equaliser not long after half time. I really enjoyed this game. It was superb, wasn't it? It was such a good game. Simone Inzaghi was uh, watching from the stands after uh, being banned after the Milan derby last week. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that Manchester City-Liverpool game that I always reference from 2019. Oh, the amazing, the 2-1. Oh my yeah, God, but with a little City. bit more, with a little bit more chaos in terms of um, it didn't like that felt very, very hyper, hyper, hyper controlled. Yeah, and this felt a little bit more rough around the edges, which gave it this really intriguing balance because you could tell everyone on that football pitch knew that this was a huge game, absolutely right. pivotal game in the title race. If Napoli had won the game, they would have overtaken Inter at the top of the league. Inter got a game in hand, but still puts the pressure on them. But I think Napoli might be kicking themselves here a little bit because I think that they didn't really capitalise on that first half. I wouldn't say dominance, but I think they had the better of the first half. Can I be a bit mean? Go for it. Napoli haven't put, they haven't put away a really good team since they put away Milan 1-0. In these pivotal games, you know, a resurgent Juventus, you know, Juventus are showing signs of life again. There's no question in my opinion. Um, These games, it will come down to them. And it's, it's going to cost them, right? They're just not decisive. There was a point in this game, obviously, they take the early lead and Signe and Ossiman, shout out to him. He's been really impressive he, he returning. He's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. I love how he leads the line for them. He's a great option. Um, one of the best nines, um, I would say, best young nines in Europe, certainly. Um, but they could have put this away, Napoli, couldn't they? They could have got, maybe Insigne could have got a second. Um, and even the defending for the equaliser, Dzeko just after half time, you know, when you're conceding oh, just after half time. goal. It was, yeah. but then it was scrappy. But then you're also thinking to yourself, we've seen it so often. We've seen teams lose intensity after the break, come out without that energy. And if Napoli had just had that little bit of extra, I don't think it's much. I think it's game management, Ryan. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I actually think I have a little bit of sympathy for that goal because I just think they were a little bit unlucky. Like another mm. bounce that goes another direction and then yeah. Jekyll's not on the end of it. But still, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, just just to close it out. Because um, mm. it, it was an unfortunate goal. And actually, shout out to Koulibaly. Great to see him back after his AFCON heroics. Um, yeah, I still think all of these guys should be getting arrested. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know they should be. I'm just, it was a bit frustrating. Obviously, I have sympathy to Napoli. I love watching watching them play. I mean, who doesn't? But just that in terms of also title race, a win here really puts everything back in play. I still, you know, still think the title race is on, but this really, a win for Napoli here, I think would have been, you know, as I say, a statement victory. Well, I mean, you saw someone who took advantage of that this weekend and that was Milan. Yes. Milan beating Sampdoria, which, you know, they kind of scraped through that. Um, Rafael Liao is on one this year. Rafael Liao, and Vinicius are both having breakout seasons as wide forwards. I really, you mm. know, when you see the talent added to the consistency and the way, it's the way that, the way that Liao cuts in off the flank, like his second touch, you know, the first touch to control and the second touch that takes you across the defender. There is like a whole niche of players whose second touch are, they're brilliant at getting across a player. Flyovic is in that, I think, as well, in terms of how he uses his body to shield himself to get across a player, but certainly Rafael Liao was in that. Milan now top with that win, and this yeah. is an authentic, an authentic title race. Three teams that are separated by two points, Inter have got a game in hand. The thing is, that the thing that I find really interesting, I know they drew with, with Atalanta on the weekend, but Juve are just hovering in that kind of seven point... In the pocket. Seven right, points right. behind, letting these guys kind of uh, fight amongst themselves, and they'll just come in and... Nick the bag. Bit more resilient as well, Juve. Some late goals, some scrappy wins. Really impressive. The one thing I want to mention from the Atlanta-Juve game, apart from the late equaliser by Danilo, equaliser in the final minute, Malinowski's strike from distance. Oh, that is not... Okay. God. But those who don't know, Malinowski, one of the best strikers of all from distance. Anywhere. Anywhere in the world. And the goal he scored was so absolutely on brand. There were actually quite a few goals, contenders for like goal of the month 
just this weekend alone. And this is definitely one of them. There were some unbelievable Germanisms <laughs> on this commentary when this goal went in. There was an Unglaublich. There was an Unfassbar. Yes. There was a Fassverein Hammer. No, we had Fassverein Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> like, which was very, very pleasing. Yeah, that was a great I, game. I, I, I wouldn't say it was a great game, but it was a fun game, man. There was some just, yeah. this is the thing at the moment. I think like, Mm, football goes through these I, I don't know whether this is me just making it up but it kind of really felt like there was a especially through the pandemic when crowds weren't there and it really started to drag but there have been a couple of points since everyone's been back on the whole where we looked we were talking about what do we talk about on the, on Monday there have been a couple mm. of weekends where it's just been a bit like hmm, everyone's just kind of phoning it in a little bit yeah, yeah 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 like nothing really happens yeah and it would be really great if like leagues could kind of just agree amongst themselves that like a couple of them are going to chill this week and then the rest will take on the chaos and then vice versa the following week. So, you know, you can, you have time to talk about everything because, you know, Champions League's back this week. Yes. You've got Champions League podcast on Thursday. Genuinely, each Stadio episode could be two hours long. Right. I can't believe I've said that now because our mentions are going to be like, yeah, do it oh, two no. hours. You know, it's like the Simpsons thing where everyone's just turning around. It's like two hour podcast. Okay, team our podcast. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they genuinely could be. There's so much to talk about all the time, yeah. especially because we're not focused on a certain league. And this weekend, I thought was a real example of that, where there was just, I don't know, it's just, um, you know, even if you look at the Premier League, I know we're not going to talk about that today, we're going to save it for Wright's house, but keeping up with the results on the weekend, like I, always, I always kind of semi-love Premier League weekends where Arsenal don't play. <laughs> it's pressure's like, right because the pressure's off it's just like I'll get a weekend off you know and they obviously had that uh, really important win over Wolves that you know the fun police were out kind of telling them off for celebrating against Wolves but then look what ha- Wolves did on Sunday right yeah absolutely absolutely there are no easy points anymore not at all not at all we're going to move on to the Bundesliga now if you don't want if you let's do it no let's do it yeah. no, no easy points let's get into no it no easy points Bochum beating Bayern and thoroughly deserving of it. A few months after being beaten 7-0 in the league. 7-0. Yes. Yes. And looking, getting absolutely, it could have been 10. And they came back and beat them a few months later, 4-2, and were spellbinding. They got four goals in the first half. I think it's the most, Bayern haven't done that since 1975. They haven't, mm. they haven't been 4-1 down at halftime, I think, since 1975 was the stat they, they gave. Unbelievable. Nagelsmann just looked like he was... <laughs> Looking into the ether, he was gazing into the ether. Um, but Bochum thoroughly deserved this, and the, the most impressive, they actually took the lead, Bayern, didn't they? Yeah, Bayern and won Bochum. one up really early. Lewandowski scored after nine minutes, and you thought, "All right, here we go." Uh, obviously, my, Bayern missing Manuel Neuer that you mentioned earlier. He's out for a few weeks, having a um, meniscus. He had a meniscus surgery mm. um, after was it last week's game? I think he had it. Was um, it last week? Last last week or the week before? And you kind of thought, "All right, this is going to go." As you expect, it's going to be one of those chilly February afternoons where Bayern just come away from this yeah, 4-1, 5-1, something like that. But then the speed at which that changed and not necessarily just the goal, like the goal that got him back, Antoieje got it back. Yeah, his movement was outstanding throughout. As soon as Bayern lose, there's always talk about the title race. This time around, Dortmund mm. capitalised on it with a really good win over Union. The kind of win that you want Dortmund to be putting in really, like obviously yeah. unless you're an Union fan yeah. then, but like if you're a Dortmund fan, Routine is good. Routine is good because, yes, oh my God, have those guys gone off piste enough this season? Yes, absolutely. But it takes the focus off Bochum, who were, were genuinely brilliant. Outstanding. And the atmosphere in the stadium and the way that the momentum shifted, especially when they got that second goal, which was a penalty, handball on Upamecano, like you mentioned earlier, they put that away. Four minutes, uh, six minutes later, they're 4-1 up. Like, to be honest, they could have even got another one. Pavar had that error when he tried to play a pass back and they got in and it could have and been Ajay five. got a narrow, I think Ajay got scored, but it was a narrowly, uh, it made it 5-1, but it was narrowly offside. Yeah, um, that, was, um, that was a spiritually offside. Yeah, no, sorry, right. liter- Literally offside, spiritually onside. Literally because onside. He, he bent his run and actually came back onside. So being offside didn't actually benefit him at all. No, absolutely. Spiritually onside, but literally offside. Specific shout-outs in this team. Um, stand-up performances from Gamboa, Andrea J, Holtman and Lacardia. Their movement was just bewildering. It was bewildering for Bayern. And Apamecano was really, I mean, he was taken off at half-time. Yeah. And Bayern, is, they're getting rid of Suda. 
you've got your two two of your first choice centre backs out of the picture. Like Hernandez is going to come back in, but by a little bit of um, a little bit rickety at the back here. But to take nothing away, I mean they the two goals by Holtman and Gamboa are contenders already. Particularly the Gamboa goal for goal of the season, so good. Gamboa nutmegs Coman. He begins a one-two by nutmegging Coman. Right, he's playing for the one-two by nutmegging Coman. Receives the ball back and then rips a strike, which is we've mentioned this many times before. The Tony Cross goal you talk about um, against Arsenal when he hits it on the angle. Yeah. Oh God. I so, but 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 the angle this guy hit it on. Out of respect to Ulreich. I don't think Manuel Neuer stops that. No, 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 the no. The way no, he, he hits that on that on that angle is absolutely that ball had destiny behind it, and the fact that Bochum get done seven nil by them, you know, a defeat like that can be traumatic for a team. It might be like, oh, you don't belong in the league. You know, we've seen teams lose like that, and it just makes them disintegrate. And the wild thing about this game is that Lewandowski was outstanding throughout. And you look at this. We mentioned Benzema before being pivotal to their to their hopes. If Bayern have Neuer and Lewandowski missing in the same week, they become like, I would almost say like 25% less effective. Yeah, Lewandowski and Benzema can get you out of sticky situations when you're not playing well. You know, like the interesting stat about this, actually, that was Lewandowski's 26th goal of the season, which is exactly where he was at yes. at this point last season. And he broke Gerd Muller's record last season. Right. But he missed a few weeks. So if he stays healthy for the rest of the season, stays fully fit, he might break that record again this year. I think he's he's actually almost been better this year than he was last year. Yeah, he's I agree. Almost been better. Like it's un, he's had slightly more to contend with in terms of um, you know changing new players coming in, having to adapt to new running patterns. You know, this is the thing. Watching the Super Bowl yesterday, I couldn't help but think. Well, this morning I couldn't help but think. Gosh, so much of sport is just about combinations, right? Mm. And he's come in with new. These new players have come in. He's had to learn new combinations, and he's just been extraordinary. Yeah, it's been amazing. Shout to Bochum. Great win for them. Fun thing about Bochum. Six points off Augsburg, who are in 16th place in the Relegation, which is the uh, relegation playoff in the Bundesliga. Six points off RB Leipzig, who are in the final Champions League spot. Goodness. And on the Champions League run in the Bundesliga, 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th are all on 34 points. RB Leipzig, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, Union, and then Köln in Eighth place are only two points off the final Champions League spot. Such a great job Baumgart's doing there. Such a great job. Oh, yeah. can I, He's unbelievable. Can I say as well, a quick thing on him, uh, just on Dortmund, very, very fast. Well, literally very, very fast. Marco Royce is still unbelievably rapid. The man is 32. The way he runs onto the loose ball for the second goal, mm. that is some serious gas this man's got. He's 32 and he's absolutely still cutting it. This is the thing of like, what what would Marco Royce have been had he not had all those injuries? Because we're seeing as soon as he hits a, a, a kind of a sustained amount of time injury free, he's amazing. Like yeah, he's absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, just very quickly, I want to shout out uh, Greater Foot beat Hertha 2-1. Leverkusen beat Stuttgart 4-2. Um, Gladbach got a good win over Augsburg 3-2. And uh, Wolfsburg... They've invested Beating well, though. They're old boss. They beat Oli Glasner's Frankfurt 2-0. They've got Luka Vacu on loan. They've got some speed. They've got Cruiser there. They know what they're doing. They've invested well. Like, they're going to be fine for that reason, isn't it? Oh, also, on, on a Wolfsburg note, um, just on the Frauen, mm. Wolfsburg Frauen have just signed Jewel Brand for next season from Hoffenheim. Such a good that signing. is amazing. Such because Such a good signing. Jewel Brand, I watched Hoffenheim against Barca and she was the one player that had them actually legitimately, I would say, shook when going at mm. them. Um, so I'm fascinated to see what she does. So now Wolfsburg has some of the biggest young talents in world football. Oberdorf is there, obviously, but now Brandt too. That's big. That's big. big for them. Shall we go to the WSL? Because yeah. Friday night was an absorbing encounter at King's Meadow between Chelsea and Arsenal. Top of the table clash. Finished 0-0. This was such a good game though. It really was, really, really was. Just in terms of the discipline shown by Arsenal on the defensive end, but also the way they counter-punched. But then also like they created opportunities, made by hitting the post very early on. But over time, I think Chelsea begin to assert themselves. And if I'm honest, should have taken it. Mm. Should have taken this win. Um, a couple of outstanding goal line clearances from Millie Bright. 
real like defensive rear guard action. It was funny because we, we had conversations about styles of defending and Millie Bright being, I think, belonging to kind of an old school centre-back type, old school backs against the wall like type vibes and just very much, very much to the fore here. Arsenal created well, I would say, from set pieces, but in open play, Chelsea were extremely impressive. I thought, to be honest, I thought, if I'm going to be critical, I thought Penilla Harder um, could and should have done better on one or two occasions. The key chance for me was the Sam Kerr opportunity. Ball squared across to her, eight yards out, and that should be good night. That should have been good night, Arsenal. Do you know what was interesting about this, though? Yep. This didn't go down as a big chance. That's wild to me, Ryan. I mean, we all saw it. Even her reaction at the end, you saw her reaction after missing it and she just knew. Like normally strikers at the high level, they don't like pause because they're still in the game. And she, you know, to her credit, she was in the game, but you saw the momentary, the body language. She was just like, you know, like, what have I done? The story that was taking some of the conversation at the end was the handball that the referee didn't see by Leah Williamson when it was crossed in ball turns that comes into her body. And I can, I can see why the ref doesn't see it because it's into her body and the ball comes, it comes across and the view is obscured, but that did it like a hand. Um, that was handball, 100% yeah, yeah, a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also another penalty shout for Arsenal though, earlier on. Mm, I think yeah. it was on, it was on Caitlin Ford. That looked like it could have been a penalty as well. So yeah, I think Chelsea would be very, very unhappy with the fact that the, the handball wasn't given because literally everyone thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I think the, yeah. the one on Caitlin Ford, I might be remembering that slightly wrong. I, I, at the time, I remember thinking, oh, that's a shout, that. That is a big shout. It didn't stand out like, I mean, it didn't stand out oh, like... It, was, the, no, it um, was nowhere near as nailed on as the handball. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying... It was, let's say, like, it was half half a shout, whereas the, yeah. the Chelsea one was an absolute 100% shout for a penalty. I think Emma Hayes hit her disappointment reasonably well at the end. She was like, yeah, it's another point for us, but look... They're two points back of Arsenal in the league, Chelsea. If they win their game in hand, they go top. But that really was the one you want to take. That was the, Emma Hayes can obviously say. Well, I think the reason Emma Hayes would have been more disappointed with this is because this season, more than most other seasons since the WSL's conception, Mm. teams outside that top three can take points off the big sides. Right. But also, you've got to remember that Arsenal have got Champions League coming up whereas Chelsea don't so I think that's why you saw Arsenal move so much in the transfer window they brought in a lot of players that have instantly added to that squad that was a key identification of the squad depth that is needed to compete on two fronts yes the last few years Arsenal's injury problems have cost them so much yes they can't afford to let that happen again so for Emma Hayes I think she'll be like well Arsenal going to have to rotate a lot with the Champions League coming up. But also, yeah, we may drop points. So the takeaways from this are, aren't maybe as clear cut as they have been in the last few years. No, and also like Chelsea had some absences. Uh, they had Anderson and Nguyen came in in this yeah. game. Uh, players in and out for them. So it's, um, you know, it is a bit of, it's the old cliche, but that is, it's only about eight games to go. But that is, that's a lot of games in the context of how much change there can be. Elsewhere as well, um, yeah, Man City beat uh, Man United in the Manchester derby. Beautiful flighted chip by Caroline Weir. And City are showing signs of life again. So they're going to be decisive, I think, not in terms of winning the league, but in terms of taking points off one of those two teams mm. and shaking things up further down the league. So yeah, WSL, still many turns to take, I think. It's nowhere near done, WSL. No, it's not. Let's go from one Chelsea to another Chelsea. Chelsea men are the world champions, Musa. They get to they wear are. that gold badge in the middle of their shirts for a year. It's their first one, isn't it? The first one it is their this. first one. You know, they, they didn't have it easy against Palmeiras. They did not. They did after not. extra time, a game that had two penalties in it after Chelsea had taken the lead with a lovely header from Lukaku. A furious celebration. But more for, it came from Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta was just like... Ugh! Like no, I know, but Lukaku's fury was the stillness. I was like, this is different. Someone said to me the other day, ah, oh, like, because Lukaku scored in the semi against Al-Akhli and he said, ah, oh, like, is this an angry goal? And I, I think I said to you, I'll be surprised if Lukaku ever again scores a goal that is not angry. And he scored two furious goals in this tournament. I kind of wanted this to be the winner for his own arc, for his own story arc, because I think he needs some wins, but that wasn't to be. Thiago with a handball leading to a Palmeiras penalty. And frankly, they weren't creating much Palmeiras, um, maybe no. fortunate in that respect. But then got on top, they got on top of things at a certain point. And 
Chelsea showing some resilience and also some real ingenuity. And Kai Havertz is not a prolific goal scorer, but he scores important ones, doesn't he? That's the thing. Like when they come to write the Chelsea history, Kai's going to be right up there. I loved this, by the way. Oh, this little, yeah. I know it it really did the rounds. Aspilicueta just standing there absorbing all of the nonsense from the Palmeiras players. Which to be fair, Chelsea, I think, one of the reasons that makes me think that Chelsea highlighted this problem when the opposition gets penalties, Chelsea's are, Chelsea are masters at it. You know, like mm. for the handball shout, it was a handball shout on Palmeiras as well, right? That they got the penalty for. Yeah. Aspilicueta, Antonio Rudiger, they were all like hunting down the referee to the point where like Rudiger came in and like pushed Aspilicueta out of the way and did this whole like, I'm going to stand a yard and a half away from the ref and not direct my anger to him, but I'm going to rant to myself with an earshot of the ref about how much of a handball that was. <laughs> it was so good. But yeah, it was so good, man. Just like, yeah, I'm going to hold the ball. You can all you can all get it out of your system with me and then I'm just going to pass it to Kai Harvard. She's going to have a lovely old time. Genius, it was genius, like, actually. It was like, genius. It's like Kai Harvard was the first one out on the golf course. It's like, <laughs> so lovely. It's he looks so like a pro golfer for some reason, Kai Harvard. He looks like kind of I can imagine being Kai being a golfer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but gorgeous penalty. It was a lovely penalty, yeah. There were some good yeah. penalties this weekend, actually. Yeah. Some very good penalties. Uh, both Katafi ones were great. The Bochum one was good. Um, this one was good. Some good penalties. Very good, yeah. Good Apart to see. Luis Suarez. Poor Luis Suarez. No, bring Ord to Kals. Oh, it's a good, good save, though. Good save. It was a good save. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea are the world champions. And I'm glad Thomas Tuchel got out there. Also, Mendy's having a vibe, isn't he? That man's won a Champions League, an AFCON, and this. He's having a lot of fun for a goalkeeper. They don't normally get this much fun this close together. He's really in a state of grace. Um, congratulations, Chelsea. You got to wear, I yes. get to wear those lovely gold badges. Can they, can they wear them in the league? I don't know. Can you wear them in the Premier League? I'd wear them everywhere, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. Absolutely. Main character energy. Oh, this. this. Oh, this thing. Oh, oh my um, goodness. I don't oh, like to talk this, about it. I'm so, oh, world champion. I don't like to talk about oh, that's it. So, oh, that's so kind of you to ask. This thing oh, thank is you. just, oh, it's, well, I it's mean. B- it's bigger than me. Yeah, I, it's bigger than me. Did I mention I was the first Ugandan to win the, no. <laughs> Should we bounce? Let's bounce. That was very football heavy today. Good, good. Wasn't it nice just to talk football as opposed to like a lot of the other stuff that's Oh God, yeah, it was actually. It yeah, was, it was really very nice. nice. All right, let's get out of here. It is Valentine's Day, as we've mentioned. Indeed. So, you know. Anyone who's coupled up, hope you have a lovely romantic evening, week, day. And if Those you're not, who aren't, this, this soon shall who pass. Who cares? No exactly. This it. soon shall pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all a fad anyway. Should, hey, listen, if you're in a relationship, just treat every day like Valentine's Day. Exactly. Otherwise, you're half stepping. <laughs> listen. Real talk, that wisdom right there. All of the dudes who were like, all of a sudden putting in an effort one day a year, you're all telling on yourselves. Oh, We've seen the change of pace. We've seen the change of gear. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. contract year, is it? Contract Ooh, year, is it? Oh. Exactly. Oh. Con- contract lovers. Oh. Up for renewal. <laughs> oh. How interesting. 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 A flurry of activity, the February transfer window. Oh. <laughs> Being very generous in the opening couple of weeks of February. What's going on? Goodness me. <laughs> listen, listen. A few of you need to, few of you need to learn some lessons. <laughs> some on yellow, emotional yellow cards. <laughs> they should have the trade deadline on Valentine's Day. The NBA <laughs> trade deadline. <laughs> trading your boyfriend to Oklahoma. <laughs> I am trading my boyfriend to Oklahoma City Thunder for a couple of future first round picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a nice flat on the waterfront. <laughs> oh, this is getting silly. Right, let's uh, let's get out of here. We hope everyone's staying safe and well, having a having a lovely day and having a lovely week and getting vaccinated if you can and getting that booster if you can. Don't forget to check Righty's house on Wednesday. Flo and I will be joining Righty. Stadia will be back on Thursday for a Champions League. The Champions League's back, Musa. Can't wait. I can't wait. The Champions. Champions. <laughs> Stadia Watch just plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on Easier to Love by Sonia Ferguson. Do you know what, Musa? You're easy to love. Oh, Ryan. So are you, Ryan. You're making me emotional. I get f***ed. Let's get out of it. (laughs) 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 Much love, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.